Um, in those cases, uh, yeah, you, the kind of process you should go through with your financial advisor, your, your medical scheme broker there is to think about number one is affordability. What can I really afford? And that's not, not such a simple question because it's in some cases covering your healthcare needs is, you know, can you afford not to be sufficiently covered? Because we know all around the world, uh, in some countries where there isn't a mature healthcare system, lots of people go bankrupt uh, because of high healthcare costs. Even in the US, where you know the, the health system is is uh, high functioning but ex- exorbitantly high cost, uh, you know, people go bankrupt because they're not sufficiently covered. My name is Diana, and this is the Family Finance Show, the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better. Every week, we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt, and investing for the future. Barry Childs, Joint CEO of Insight Actuaries and Consultants, joins us to talk about medical aid. Hospital plans, gap cover, medical aid savings, day-to-day benefits... It's so difficult to compare plans and choose the right one for your needs. In this episode, Barry helps us think about the questions we need to ask before joining a medical aid scheme. We are all striving to live a long, healthy and prosperous life. Elevate Life uses deep health and wellness insights to help us do just that. I can't believe that I've done over 60 episodes of the show and never talked about health insurance. Given your background and your CV, I couldn't have really asked for a better guest to examine this topic for listeners. So welcome to the show, Barry, and maybe you can give our listeners a bit of insight as to who you are. Uh, Thanks for the intro, Diana, and uh, hi to your listeners. Uh, My name is Barry Childs. I'm an actuary by training, uh, and I have the privilege of being a CEO of a company called Insight Actuaries and Consultants. Uh, It's a long name, but basically what we do is uh, provide market-leading advice um, in the field of healthcare, health insurance, medical schemes, um, anything healthcare-related we get to weigh into. Uh, We do lots of work with data. Uh, We help people think about, uh, you know, medical aid coverage plan choices, we help medical aides design their products, price their products, think about sustainability, solvency, all of those kind of complicated actuarial things. But really what uh, we're passionate about is healthcare in all of its forms. And I think this topic, healthcare, is so relevant because I know families whose healthcare insurance is the biggest monthly expense on their on their in their budget um, every month. It could be more expensive than their groceries or their car repayments. Um, so, given its importance in the sense of the size of the portion of of monthly budget it takes up, how can our listeners go about deciding whether healthcare insurance is required, first of all, and then what plan to choose? That's a great question. Um, I mean, the, the the strict answer is it is a it's a complicated area. Unfortunately, you know, healthcare is a complicated um, field, uh, and uh, you know, unfortunately, the human body is such that many different things can go wrong with it. Accessing healthcare can be complicated. Do you go to a GP? Do you go to a nurse, pharmacist, specialist, hospital? All of these kinds of things. Very, you know, it's a complicated area. In terms of your health insurance or medical scheme coverage. 
really should uh, have an advisor there because of the complications. It's quite it can be difficult for a sort of layman to to make choices between you know one scheme and another, or even within a medical scheme, one one option and another. Um, you know, the market hasn't done itself any favors by the way that it you know, brings its, its benefits across. So it is complicated. It is also, unfortunately, as you pointed out, expensive. For some people, it's a very high cost item. Um, some people are overinsured, you know, because they're, they're perhaps worried about, you know, an eventuality of, of having to pay for healthcare claims out of pocket. So some people are underinsured, maybe because of affordability reasons, et cetera. There is a wide variety of, um, of options available on the market, which adds to the complexity, you know, anything from a few hundred rands a month all the way to tens of thousands of rands a month, depending on your needs and affordability. The general rule is if you can afford to belong to a medical scheme and you have any doubts about the, you know, the kind of care you might get in a public hospital or public clinic, uh, some of which are excellent, but we know that generally they're underfunded. If you can afford to belong to a, a, a health, health insurance plan or a medical scheme, it's generally advisable to do so. Um, and then, you know, depending on how much money you can make available out of your budget, uh, that gives you a range of choices that you can uh, think about depending on what's important to you. For some people, you know, having dental benefits is important. For other people, optometry benefits. For other people, those sort of incidental expenses are less important. But what's really important for them is that they are covered for hospital and specialist care if they you know, happen to end up in a private hospital for some reason. So a range of different things to take into account, which, as I say, is probably why it's useful to get an advisor to help you through that kind of choice. Yeah, um, as you're talking, I, I remember my um, my first manager in my first professional job. I was lucky to have a really amazing manager. And one of the things that I really appreciated about him is that he took the time to explain all the choices that I needed to make in that first job. For example, which option to choose for my medical aid. I'd never had medical aid before. so And there were so many options available to me, hospital plans, did I get medical aid savings? So yeah, luckily there was only one scheme available to us, but within that scheme, there were a whole bunch of options. And this manager that I'm thinking about, he, he'd studied applied maths at Varsity. So he was the perfect person to demonstrate by calculations and maths, um, which option I could should go for. And as you, you mentioned, it depends on your specific needs. So at that stage, I was single and I didn't have any dependents. So for me, a hospital uh, plan made sense. I also remember looking with him on the medical aid savings and whether that made sense. Or, and I think we decided because I didn't have chronic health issues at that stage, I didn't need it. But since that first job, which was 2004, very long ago, um, I've had I've used a few a few medical aids since then, and I've always found it really impossible to compare the schemes and even the plans within the the schemes. And nowadays, there's even gap cover that you can take. So I know you said that you should get the um, help of a professional, which which I do agree with. But what are the some of the questions maybe our listeners can ask that professional? What are the things that they should be thinking about in terms of making this comparison so that they can make the optimal choice for them? Yes, yes, that's a good question, Seth. I mean, you, you're quite lucky that you started out with a manager like that. I think most people don't have that mm. uh, fortunate position, and it is a bit of a, a quagmire of, uh, of difficulty to, to make choices. It, it, depending on your employment status, I mean, if you, as you say, sometimes uh, if you're at an employer, if you're working for a, an employer, um, 
the uh, you know there's no choice, and that employer might have what's called a restricted medical scheme. So you know, uh, let me think of an example now. Um, if Can you I? work for the government, say okay. you know, or, or CAMAF, if you, if you you know if you're working in an accounting firm, um, yes, they all belong to CAMAF, which is for chartered accountants. Uh, they don't really have a choice if you're at, at say PwC or one of those firms. Um, then uh, you belong to CAMAF, which offers very good benefits. Uh, and then you really would only have to worry about which option within CAMAF to choose, um, and if you would want to have gap cover as a as a you know extra protection for the you know to cover the risk of a specialist charging more than the medical scheme will pay. Um, so some employers operate on that basis. Some um, belong to an open medical scheme, like say Discovery or Bonitas or MedShield or BestMed or those kinds of of uh, of medical schemes where again perhaps they they've only chosen one medical scheme as their scheme of choice sometimes there's what we call split risk where an employer will say actually we're just paying you cost to company and you can choose from any one of these two or three or four or five medical schemes it's really up to you and that opens up a lot more choice um, in those cases uh, yeah, you, the kind of process you should go through with your financial advisor, your, your medical scheme broker there is to think about number one is affordability. What can I really afford? And that's not, not such a simple question because it's in some cases covering your healthcare needs is, you know, can you afford not to be sufficiently covered? Because we know all around the world, uh, in some countries where there isn't a mature healthcare system, lots of people go bankrupt. Uh, because of high healthcare costs, even in the U.S., where you know the, the health system is is uh, high functioning but ex exorbitantly high cost, uh, you know people go bankrupt because they're not sufficiently covered because of the high cost of care. So that, you know the, the, there's an element of what can I afford, and then you know, can I afford not to be sufficiently covered? Although here we have a proper safety net, which is the public health system, um, which you know if you're not covered, you're entitled to go to the, the public health system for free. Um, so, what can I afford? Should be the, the first uh, first question, and then go through uh, a scheme selection process that thinks about things that are you know maybe important. You don't really want to be chopping and changing uh, medical schemes. It's not like say general insurance, where you can get a quote you know every quarter or every year you know to keep the mm -hmm. price honest and then change. There's very little friction there. With the medical schemes, you can be underwritten, which means if you change schemes for for, for reasons other than, for example, a change in employment, you can get underwritten, which means you might have waiting periods imposed, um, or in some cases, if you haven't been on a medical scheme for a protracted period of time, you may even pay a higher premium because of something called a late joiner penalty. Mm -hmm. So your advisor will take you through all of those permutations. But uh, you know, a bit like life insurance, it's not something you want to chop and change all the time. Um, so you know, it is a more of a medium to long-term decision. Mm. Uh, it, it, with that said, then you want to think about, okay, well, you know, which schemes do I want to put in my pool? It's not unlike buying a car, you know, you, you don't consider all manufacturers of cars in all cases when you're thinking about buying a car. You might narrow it down to like, a, you know, with certain criteria that, you know, it must be a reliable brand, there must be good servicing, there mustn't be a, you know, a fly-by-night kind of organization. You wouldn't buy a car from an organization like that, and you wouldn't want to buy a medical scheme cover from an organization like that. So you can, you know, come up with a short list um, of, of schemes to choose from. And then within that scheme, you can say, okay, well, which option on this medical scheme best meets my needs? And that would be a question of, well, you know, again, what can I afford? What's important to me in terms of coverage? Uh, is it okay? 
pay if I uh, pay a lower premium, but then be uh, you know only be able to make use of a network of hospitals or doctors, which is a way that medical schemes keep some costs down by contracting with a you know a subset of all of the hospitals and doctors and physiotherapists uh, in the market mm -hmm. to get better rates. So, am I prepared to make that trade-off? You know, are other things like uh, you know being able to uh, have a radiology scan or a pathology tests, you know, uh, am I expecting to do those frequently out of uh, in an out of hospital setting? Uh, what kind of chronic conditions do I have, if any, and what is the coverage of those conditions on each of the options? And then what are the other sort of day-to-day -day benefits that are important to me? Those often make the biggest difference in choosing what option you want to join because that's where the biggest variation in, in coverage is. Most mm -hmm. medical scheme options cover in-hospital care quite comprehensively, partly because of the regulatory environment. There's something called uh, prescribed minimum benefits, which means that all options must cover some minimum level of benefits, uh, and that's quite hospital-focused. So, you know, for the most part, uh, for anything serious in hospital, you'll be covered on any medical scheme option. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so the, the differentiators tend to be on the, the day to day care. And like I said, you know, what's important to you there is it dental benefits? Is it optical benefits? Do you anticipate going to the GP very often or the specialist very often? You know, and that'll be different at different points in your life. Maybe you're married. Maybe you're having children. Maybe you're getting older um, and you anticipate needing more care. Uh, so those are the kind of trade-offs uh, that you need to think about. That's within the medical scheme setting. Then over and above the medical scheme, because of all sorts of historical and regulatory reasons, there's this thing called mentioned. Now, the medical schemes, as expensive as they are, don't cover everything. And sometimes what they don't cover is the full fee that the specialist charges. Mm -hmm. um, if you need to go and see a specialist. And gap cover products have been designed to meet that particular need. Um, there are some options that are you know, more expensive, uh, but then you don't need gap cover. Um, but if you want to save money on your medical scheme options and have gap cover as an option, that's a supplementary product that you can buy. And then over the last few years, there's been this uh, growth of, the, of what we call health insurance products, um, which really are trying to meet a need at the lower end of the affordable spectrum again without getting into all of the sort of legal and regulatory history stuff um, you know medical schemes the entry price for medical schemes is quite high so that keeps you know I mean only about 15 16 percent of South Africans have medical scheme cover mm. there are a lot of people that are employed that don't have medical scheme cover and they'd still want something um, and these health insurance products have have come up over the last few years so they typically don't offer hospital cover or much hospital cover um, they offer mainly, you know, GP visits and that day-to-day -day care that I was talking about only. Uh, and, and in that case, I would just, you know, make sure you know what you're buying. You know, are you buying a medical scheme or are you buying a health insurance product? And you need to, you need to understand what, you know, what you're getting for your money there, what your um, rights and entitlements are and each of those product types. And ask questions, ask questions. I think people often just listen to the salesman without actually asking the question. So that's one of the reasons why we do this show is so that people know, you know, what, what things to ask. And it's all very personal, as you're saying. What day-to-day -day benefits do you want? Um, do you want to be limited to certain hospitals? I had a friend who's gynecologist who was at a hospital, but when it came time to give birth, she realized that where the gynecologist practiced, she, wasn't part of the hospitals in the scheme that she was part of. It was limited. So all these things you you might not know when you're taking out medical aid. So definitely good to ask those questions. 
Um, for sure. I, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems is, mm-hmm. is you know, the because it's complicated, you know, the, 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 the medical scheme rules will always be the, you know, deferred to. So that, that's what the version of the truth is. So, you know, you can look, you must look at the brochures and the advisor must you know, tell you as much as he or she can tell you based on what they know of that medical scheme. But, you know, there's always uh, some, you know, uh, some nuance or some, you know, something that's not fully communicated and it causes that mismatch between an expectation of coverage and what actually happens in practice. You hear that story all the time. I mean, we had a very fortunate case um, recently where I was actually doing some market research and uh, I put out on sort of some social media channels to say, you know, tell me what are your big bugbears with your, your medical scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we got, um, we got uh, uh, one very emotive answer from a, a, a long-standing friend of ours. And I actually didn't know that that had a disabled child. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we haven't stayed in touch over the last few years. And he was really moaning about you know, how difficult it had been for them to get cover. And it was always a, you know, like a, it was a fight all the time to get the claims paid correctly. Mm-hmm. And in that particular case, I happened to know people at the medical scheme that, uh, that, that that person was on. And I put them in touch with the right people. And it was like a life-changing experience for them to actually let the system work like it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, often you hear those stories a lot too often, you know, where there's a mismatch between expectations and reality. Mm, exactly. So, so, so empower yourself uh, and and ask those questions before you take out any cover, medical or otherwise. Um, so, we're talking at a time where uh, COVID vaccines are being rolled out to all South Africans. Barry, it's uh, just been released to everyone eighteen and above can now go and get their vaccines. What is your um, perspective on that, especially from a health and maybe a health insurance perspective, uh, should people be getting the vaccines? Yeah, so I mean, it's a resounding yes from me. Um, I had my first shot uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm just waiting for my second Pfizer shot coming in. Uh, you know, unfortunately, social media, as is its way, has polarized the world um, on this particular issue with uh, mixed messages and fake news and all of those other. Uh, difficulties uh, that exist in the social media world. Um, but the evidence is very clear. Uh, you know, the vaccines are overwhelmingly safe. Uh, there are, as with any medical treatment, you know, small num- very small numbers of complications that arise. Uh, those are not unanticipated, but uh, relative to the effect of COVID on the health system overall, locally in South Africa and globally, um, vaccines are an absolute no-brainer. Um, it's really our, our surest way back to normality. Uh, you know, you can criticize lockdowns and mask wearing and hand sanitizer and all of the other various aspects of how you know, the world and public health authorities have dealt with COVID. Um, but vaccines really are a no-brainer. There's some areas where there's some debate around, well, if I've had COVID already, you know, and I have, you know, I recovered and I have some immunity in my system. Should I, do I need a vaccine in that case as well? Um, you know, because the downsides are so small, uh, it really still is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overwhelmingly, the evidence is, is positive when we look at countries that have high vaccination rates, like, say, the UK, where mm-hmm. life is back to normal. Mm. Um, the, you know, the life is pretty much back to normal. They, you know, they're going to sports games, they're going to mm. theater, opera, whatever else you, you know, 
mm. uh, like to do. Um, and, you know, the whole world needs to get back there. I think very different to an Australia and New Zealand kind of environment where they're in perpetual lockdown oh, on and yeah. off because their vaccine rollout has been slow. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, locally, it makes absolute sense. I'm, I'm actually part of the, the Business for South Africa team working with government on the vaccine efforts. And uh, mm. it's been very saddening actually to see the kind of the levels of hesitancy that we've seen particularly in the 35 to 50 year old group i think the over 50s and over 60s you know understand that they're higher at higher risk because mm. of their age and, and we know that COVID affects the elderly more severely um, in that 35 to 50 age group there was much the hesitancy came much sooner than we anticipated the over 18 seem to want to get back to their life of leisure and party and so they seem to be attacking the vaccine centers with abandon we hope that that'll be sustained yeah um but yeah the that middle group there, there's some hesitancy there which is unfortunate because it is a one of those things where you know, even if you don't perceive a lot of risk for yourself as an individual mm. um you know getting broader immunity in the population through vaccines is very important for the, the common good, like or like mm. all vaccines. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, you know, uh, we still have to have flu vaccines every year and whether we need COVID, COVID whether we'll need COVID vaccines on a regular basis, no one really knows yet. Um, but a good portion of the population gets flu vaccines every year. So it's not something we're unaccustomed to. Mm. Yeah, my experience has been very positive. I, I had a Johnson & Johnson vaccine about a month ago, so I'm fully... Um, immunized now and, and i have to say uh it was there were no side effects besides a slightly sore arm but really nothing nothing uh, compared to the benefits that you get and i i feel much freer now uh freer to meet people to go to go out more to be in in social um engagements again which is really nice for mental health i mean not being able to see friends for months on end has been hard so just having that vaccine has helped me to feel freer and actually all the adults in our household including our domestic worker are are vaccinated so it just yeah life is getting back to normal and let's hope that other south africans also go out there and get vaccinated so so we can get back to normal sooner rather than later yeah, look, I think it has it has put a dent in the world. You know, I mean, these things, these kinds of pandemics happen once every hundred years or so, if you look at the history. Um, but I think the world now is much more interconnected than it was, both digitally and just from a travel point of view. Mm. Um, and so, I do think it'll be a while before things get back to normal. Normal, uh, whether that was that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. We've learned a lot of good lessons over the mm. last two years as well. Um, and maybe we mustn't go back to a, uh, the old way of doing things in, in every case. Um, but um, but yeah, I think it has it has left a dent, and we've felt it. I think all the more acutely because of how connected we are and how accessible information is all the time. I mean, what other disease do you hear reports about every day? How many people died of it? I mean, yeah. can you imagine if we had that on HIV and TV and all these <laughs> other things? We would be in a constant state of paranoia and panic. Exactly. Exactly. No, no. So, yeah. So, right. Um, so, Barry, the last question uh, is one that I ask all of my guests, and that's um, what is the one piece of financial advice you would like to pass on to your children? Am I allowed to give like more than more than one? Yes, like, you can. It's bit. hard. It's okay. hard. It's hard to do it's one. It's hard to and, distill it down into one. I know. I know. Yeah. So do do what you the 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 yeah. numbers of financial advice you'd like to pass on to your children. Yeah. So I would say the first one would be, 
Um, start saving in a disciplined way as soon as you can, like from the first paycheck if you can. Mm. Um, it, it's, that kind of discipline early on is irreplaceable and there's a compounding effect over time. And the earlier you start, the better. Um, the second one I would say would be make sure if you have any kind of complications in your income earning other than a salary, make sure you get good tax advice because that can catch you out and mm. it's like an, you know, it's an unavoidable rock in a hard place if you make tax mistakes. The mm. tax people are very unforgiving. Um, and the th third one I think would be, uh, yeah, I have to put my actuarial hat on here, <laughs> is, you know, do, do, do make sure that you're, you know, properly covered from an insurance point of view, both for life insurance, income, disability, severe illness, healthcare, uh, they are all admittedly grudge purchases. It's money that you know you put away every month that you don't necessarily see the benefit of all the time until you need it, and then it's too late. You know, when you need to, you know, if you happen to become disabled and you haven't been putting that money away in a in an appropriate policy, you know, what do you do? People become destitute at that kind of point in their life. So, insurance is just a, a way of protecting your lifestyle while you're improving your lifestyle with income earning and savings. But if it's not at an appropriate level, it can set you back quite badly in cases when those, those unfortunate things happen. Like I say, you know, getting a severe illness or becoming disabled or heaven forbid in, in a family and you lose the ability to earn an income or pass away, then what is your family going to do? So mm. appropriate levels of coverage from an insurance point of view are important, you know, to build financial, personal financial success on top of. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Barry. Before you go, where can people find out more about you and um, your company, Insight Actuaries and Consultants? Uh, thanks, Diana. So, yeah, they're welcome to uh, get in touch via email. My email is barryc at insight.co.za. Insight is I-N-S-I-G-H-T. Um, or they can uh, go via the website, which is uh, www.insight.co.za. Again, insight is I-N-S-I-G-H-T. Yeah, if they have any questions about healthcare or medical schemes or anything of that sort, they can get in touch with they, you know, an individual or a corporate or anything of that sort. Great. Thanks so much for your time today, Barry. Absolute pleasure, Dan. Visit elevate.co.za to get an obligation-free quote in just 30 seconds or ask your broker about Elevate Life's market-leading offerings. Elevate Life is an authorized financial service provider, license number 50555. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being. 